Welcome to the Know, Like, Trust podcast for real estate professionals. In this podcast, you'll discover what it takes to establish know, like, and trust, and connect with the right people for success in real estate. If you're a marketing strategist, real estate agent, or another professional in the real estate space, and you're interested in building a referral-based business, you're in the right place. Here are your hosts, Betty Russo and Christine George. Welcome, welcome, everyone. Welcome to the No Lake Trust Podcast. I'm Christine George. And I'm Betty Russo. Thank you for joining us. I am so psyched about our guest today. Uh, We are interviewing Bill Boswell. Bill has been an inspiration to me pretty much since I entered the real estate field. And today we're going to dig into his journey. We're going to ask him a bunch of great questions about the current real estate market and And this is just so exciting. I'm so honored to have you here, Bill. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to get the opportunity every once in a while to to share some quiet time with some good people. So uh, yeah, looking forward to to connecting with you guys. It's really funny because some of the uh, feedback I got from the Market Center was, it's about time somebody is interviewing Bill. Bill is usually doing the interviewing, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you say that I was actually thinking about it this morning. I had uh, I, I was actually interviewed last week for the first time in a really long time by uh, by Gary Keller, which was pretty cool. And uh, in that, and then this one, I'm like, man, that's twice in uh, in a couple of weeks where uh, I'm in the other seat. So it's exciting. Thank you. That's awesome. I have to check out that interview. So I'm going to go into your experience a little bit, Bill, um, and then we're going to ask you some questions. Um, so your experience obviously has been nothing short of incredible. I have been watching you since day one. Um, you're well known in the real estate industry. Your reputation is built on the service that you provide to your clients. You've worked in the traditional real estate market and mega luxury homes and uh, pretty much servicing all over North Jersey which is what I love to focus on. Um, but you are like incredible at what you do. So I'm so excited to pick your brain. Um, you have gone from realtor to team leader with Ron Iosa of your Boswell Iosa group. You still run that team. You're also now the operating principal at Keller Williams Prosperity, uh, whom I've recently joined back in November. I'm so psyched to, to be with that group. It's just incredible. Um, you have been named in a lot of magazines. You've been, uh, you know, uh, you received Najar's Distinguished Sales Club Award. You've been in New Jersey Monthly. You've been, you were Realtor Magazine's 30 Under 30. You got that award. You've been on TV shows. Uh, Open House New York City, and that's just to name a few. So I just want to touch on all of that because that talks to your experience and and how valuable uh, your knowledge is and why we wanted to interview you today, one of the reasons why. So that's crazy. (laughs) It's all crazy. I'm going to bring you around as a hype person to set me up for conversations every day. That's uh, that's awesome. I'll do it. I'll do it. Back to that follow. is amazing. So, Bill, I'm kind of curious. How did you get into this business? Yeah, so it's a it's a great question. When I was um, 18, I uh, I signed up with the advice of my mother for the real estate course, 
And I went to the class for about two hours. Uh, and I left, I called my mother from the parking lot and I said, I'm so sorry. There's not a chance that I am sitting in this class during the summer when I'm 18 for the next three weeks, I drove down the shore and I don't think I came back for, for two weeks. And, uh, you know, she was really upset. She always said how great I would be in the, in the business. And, uh, fast forward a couple of years later, I was 22 and I was working at a deli with Ron Ayoso, who's now, uh, my business partner. Right. And Ron owned the deli about nine years older than I am. And, uh, and he sold the deli and he sold me with it, right? The last, right? As part of that deli. And he went into mortgages. And through his mortgage experience, he started really interacting with a bunch of realtors. He came into the deli one day and he was like, listen, we need to get our real estate licenses. We need to get into real estate. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching a lot of people be super successful. This was 2005, right? So it was a really interesting time. And, uh, and I told him, I said, Ron, not a chance, man. I said, it's summer again. You guys are really timing this wrong. <laughs> You know, Wasn't it kind of hot in that deli though, Bill? Uh, yeah, but it was after the deli. You could always just jump in water everywhere, right? I, I loved the shore growing up. You know, I was uh, changed my my major in college four times, so I was still in college at that point. And I'm like, this is my summer. What am I going to sit there and listen to this guy talk? Read a book for three weeks straight. Anyway, um, I I finally uh, I gave in. He's like, I'll pick you up every day. I'll make sure you're there on time. I was like, fine, right? Like, let's just do this and. Uh, and so we did it in three weeks, uh, you know, finished the course, ended up um, getting our licenses together. We worked together as a team for a couple of years. And uh, then we decided to, to part ways, actually. We were at different points in our lives. Ron had three kids, right? A, a lot of, you know, family uh, obligations. And uh, I always say I had a shore house and, you know, a whole bunch of, uh, of friends to to have a great time with. And, and so we amicably said, like, we're just at different parts of our lives right now. I don't want to work like, like, you know, you need to, to support your family. And then I don't want to take half of your income because that's just not a fair situation. So we split for a couple of years. Um, yeah, I got into the luxury stuff. Ron actually got into management for a little while. Uh, and then our journeys came back together. Back, uh, 2013, uh, we had a really awesome phone call. I was getting married in a couple of weeks and I'm like, all right, I'm ready. <laughs> Finally, let's, let's do this. We'll do this the right, the right way. Right. We'll bring, you know, both of our energy together, hundred percent focus in the right direction. And, you know, it's been, uh, almost, it's been nine years and it's been a, been a pretty, pretty cool experience in that period of time for sure. It's fantastic. I didn't know that about you and Ron. I didn't know that you both went into real estate together at the same time. Yeah, he drugged me in there. I had no idea. Kicking and screaming, handcuffed the whole bit. Right? (laughs) Well, um, that's what it felt like at least. Yeah, yeah. You know what? You guys are such an awesome team. And I honestly had no idea. So that's really cool to know. And nine years, that is not that long that you've done all this. It's been actually a very short period of time in the whole scheme of things. Before we get into a little bit more about, about, you know, what you're doing and the real estate market market, I have, I have a story, Christine, I probably told you this story, Bill, you know, the story, obviously you're part of it. I never miss an opportunity to tell it. So I'm going to tell it. 
um, way back when I was just a fledgling. And now that I understand you've only been in real estate for like nine years, Bill, you were a fledgling also, but. Yeah. I mean, I was licensed for a little while before that. So we got our licenses in 05. So okay. about 15 years in the game. Right. Right. But um, you, you definitely had a lot more experience than I did at the, at that point. I, I was lucky, I felt lucky, very fortunate to have had the opportunity to list a home in the higher end in Ringwood. It was like a million dollar home at the time. And I was like, this is great, but oh my God, like what the hell do I do with this? I have no idea what I'm doing. And a, a colleague of ours, uh, a mutual friend, it was Fred Buckner at the time, was my manager. And Fred said, why don't you talk to Bill? And at the time, I didn't really know you. I knew you, but we didn't really know each other. And we met, you offered your help, didn't want anything from me, just was willing to help. And I thought about it. And I believe it was the next day, Bill, I called you and I said, I really want you to co-list this with me. You never asked for that, but I was like, I felt so lucky and blessed that you were willing to help me given your experience and my lack of experience. Um, so we co-listed it. We brought the buyer. We sold the house pretty quickly. Uh, you were partners with Ron. So he was involved as well. We had an amazing like twilight open house. Remember, it was awesome. But anyway, it was just such a great experience. And I bring it up and I tell everybody because this is the kind of person that you are very giving, very supportive. You've always supported me. I've always felt very comfortable coming with to you if I if I needed help with anything, even when we weren't working under the same roof. So that just talks to who you are as a person. And I love Talk that. Talk about building your you for trust. That. Talk about no like and trust. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So and, and what you put out, you always get back, right? Yes. So true. And to so this true. day, I am like ever so grateful. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. And it's so funny how, you know, something like that at the time, you know, nobody knew where careers would evolve, right? And things like that. And how many doors that opens and continues to open, that's rewarding to both of us, right? I mean, We've been blessed too to, to now have you in our network, right? I mean, you did a social media class not too long ago that uh, people are still raving about, right? So you're changing their business because of a connection that we made like 10 years ago. Right. Uh, it's just, you know, real estate to me, first and foremost, is an energy game. And so many people miss that, that component, right? Their strategy. It's really important. There's process, right? We want to we want to follow models that can make life much easier. A lot of agents are out there winging it, but at its core, it's an energy game. And I think a lot of people are having trouble expanding their network, expanding their circles by by not focusing on that first. And and what we're putting out is very much so what we're going to end up getting back, right? We attract hundred percent like kind, and. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you step into the field every day and, and, you know, you're trying to be this, this, you know, arrogant mega agent that everybody is like uh, in awe of being around, uh, although that might work for you in the moment, that's probably not the energy that's going to attract what you really need uh, to further your vision. 
uh, it's probably going to attract a bunch more people like that, uh, which Mm -hmm. starts to become a problem. And that's when you, you know, have big attrition issues and things like that. A lot of people looking at themselves first. So uh, I would say that, you know, your story is a perfect example. And I've been blessed. I gotta, I gotta give my parents some credit because I'm sure it's part of the way that they, you know, they bought me up. And then of course my, my faith has a lot to do with it and stuff too, but that's, that's just kind of my natural disposition. So, so it's easy for me to enter into that space, but I have worked with people who it's not their natural disposition Mm -hmm. and it does take some time, but if you surround yourself with the right people, you change what's getting out there. And then all of a sudden you change what's coming back to you. Right. And you, you said at that point, I mean, I was probably in my early 20s, maybe mid 20s, right? It was it was Ron and I would just come together. And if, if you fast forward from that minute till now, we had we had nobody really around us then other than the people that we were just close to and helping. And, you know, you look at the network just just in the last four years, we've added almost 400 people to to the network around <coughs> us. too. And, and what I've come to realize is all of those results and this is a perfect example, we're built off of what was put out there 10 years ago, right? Um, sometimes indirectly and sometimes very directly. So really interesting. Energy first, I think, is a, is a big concept that a lot of people uh, take for granted in this business. So Bill, I actually want to um, flip the switch a little bit and talk about the market, because as a leader in the market, um, as a leader of a, of a large team, right, you obviously, you know, the market is softening, right? Interest rates are going up, um, at least here in the greater Boston market, homes are staying on a little bit longer. I'm even starting to see price reductions. Multiple offers aren't as, you know, um, prevalent as they were. So the business is starting to go through a transition. There's over a million and a half realtors out there. So more than ever before, the market is saturated with real estate agents who want to come in and, and make a quick buck what advice, well, first of all, before we get into that, I want to know from you, you know, I know you have a crystal ball. Tell us what you think is <laughs> the market's going to look like in the next year. What's, what do you think is, what do you think is going to happen? Oh, that's a, that's a risky question to answer. I'm going to tell you this on 50, 50 on predictions in the last couple of years. I, uh, I was one of the few who going into COVID was really vocal that we got a big shot at this making real estate go up, right? Significantly. And uh, we actually doubled down and prepared the, the whole brokerage for that to happen, which which gave us a tremendous advantage going into to the couple of months that followed there in 2020. Uh, and then I got cocky and I got really wrong. Um, and I felt that very quickly within 12 months, we would actually see the, the, the fall, right? A pullback in it. Um, and my my basis for thinking that way was that COVID would have been done, gone away, and that this this false surge of demand and people moving out of the city would be short-lived, uh, and then we'd see kind of a, a retraction like we have sometimes in the past. Um, and that proved to be incorrect. And I, I still think if, 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 if COVID was a, a nine-month game, that is probably what would have happened. You know, we look at New Jersey real estate and we say prior to COVID, prior to COVID, we were on our longest run of historical real estate gains in the history of New Jersey 
for a couple of years. Never before I had a count so long without going down before. So you're just like, all right, we're ready. So now we had, you know, this, this, this insane situation really, really, you know, put its fingers in the market, shake it up. And we put all this icing on top. And um, what was interesting is, like I said, at the beginning, uh, it was very inorganic, but what's, what's, what's come of it on the back end, uh, I personally believe to be um, a, a new real estate world because the consumer's attention, confidence, wants, and needs have shifted a lot based on what's happened, right? Talk uh, about that. Talk about that, please. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if, if I rewind, um, you know, four or five years, I remember sitting with a, a, a prominent uh, investment specialist in the town by us, you know, Franco Lakes, and I was expressing that I thought the high-end market was dead in New Jersey, maybe forever, right? You have all these massive houses. Nobody wants them. The younger, you know, age groups don't want that albatross on their shoulders, the, the expenses that go along with it. Uh, there was kind of a reverse psychology in it where that used to be the trophy, right? You'd have all of your friends over, you know, in the in the 80s and 90s, and they're like, so proud of you because you made it. You got this amazing house. And yeah, there can be a, a little opposite now in in some generations, and so, you know they're trying to show off, they're throwing their you know their money around. I wouldn't want all that kind of thing. So you had a couple of psychological, sociological things coming into play that were were all hitting at the same time, including you know a, a continued push toward urbanization. People love to be closer to the city, the restaurants, the music including myself, right? Every weekend, that's where I would go, right? Be in New York. And, and it's just, it was a different energy, which I loved. And um, we ended up watching COVID force people into slowing down for a period of time, looking at trees, looking at water, right? And reconnecting with something that I don't think humanity understood that they lost just because of the way it kind of progressed naturally over time. And so with that came this, this massive shift over a couple of year period to, to be, go down the shore and try to find a house right now, right? Like to be close to water, to be close to, you know, the woods, find me a lakefront property, uh, in the tri-state area right now that doesn't have, you know, hyper demand. So watching just this, this spin of, of buyer wants needs based on real human desires that have now changed has completely flipped the supply and demand curve, right? Yeah. And of course, I want to be very clear on this. Different parts of this country behave differently. If I'm talking about the Arizona market, you know, where, where there's still a lot of recreational buying and things like that, it's a little different. When you talk about the Northeast, where you can't build anymore effectively, yep. Yep. And, yep. and demand is, in my opinion, continuing to increase, yep. even though functional demand based on affordability is coming down with interest rates going up. You simply don't have enough homes outside of the cities to house yep. You know the demand that's there. So the crystal ball says, um, I don't see us being in a position in the near future to have a strong fall in the real estate market. I do think that it's going to continue to squeeze um, because there's not a lot of inventory. There's a lot of buyers that still need housing, 
their alternative is to rent, which is now skyrocketing. So yeah. for a year, they're like, how long can I do this? Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure those interest rates in our area of the country are going to have the the impact that that you know some people think they will, and just slashing demand and pricing coming back down because there's still a line of people who need a house and they're not going back to the city, at least not. Yeah. In the- right. It's so interesting. I love your perspective. Um, there's there was a lot of to unpack there. So you know, I hear you on sort of getting back to nature, slowing down, or at least feeling like. Um, when you walk out your door, you have the ability ability to do that, even though inside you're on Zoom all day, um, because people are able to work from anywhere now where, you know, two years ago, um, employers wouldn't have even dreamed about letting some functions work from home. Now that is, you know, employees are actually demanding that. So in turn, what might have been a recreational market, like a lake house or on the water, now becomes a primary market. So Mm -hmm. that's a really interesting take on that. Um, And I love what you said, too, about, you know, the Northeast, because, you know, you might you might see that turn or that more softer um, housing market happen in other parts of the country. But we're always we always seem to be shielded from it you know, in, in the, uh, especially in like the New York, in the Boston markets where, you know, you're always going to have that demand. So, um, you know, I, I, I hear you. I mean, the buyers are still going to be there and it's still going to be, um, challenging for them to find the inventory. So that's, that's so interesting. That's great news for realtors, right? Excellent. So that brings me to my next question, which is, you know, I see this with agents all the time. They start to freak out, you know, the market's softening. They have now made a bunch of money. And instead of, you know, setting some of it aside, they're now, you know, they've spent it all. And now they're worried that, you know, their business is going to slow. And what do we do? And how do we get, you know, sellers off the fence? And how do I get my offers accepted? And they're starting to freak out. What advice do you give your agents when a market starts to shift like this? Yeah, I mean, a great question. And and I think the personality of an agent is one that doesn't like to be quiet, right? And uh, a couple of things I think are important. One, we got to really look at the market for what it is right now. Is it slower? Yeah. Is the, is the, the unit countdown? Yes. But what are we comparing that to? Last right. year, real market. Right. It just wasn't. You had condensed uh, alternative years all kind of jammed into one. A lot of frenzy and stuff going on. Um, And and as these markets shift this year to me is starting to look and I'll know in September if this is correct or not. But it's starting to look a lot more like a normal year cyclically in real estate. Right. (laughs) You had the big spring market. Uh, it was big, right? We saw you know massive push and bidding wars and stuff going up. And now we're into the summer months. And traditionally, when it was summer, it would always calm down a little for realtors, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. The last two years, I mean, 2020 was completely inverted. And then last year was almost a full cycle. So, you know, a lot of agents are not used to this again. So here's the question. Is 2022 shaping up just to be a regular year? And are we going to see that natural push in September and October that we usually see? Not as big as spring, right? But to where we could say, okay, we're back into a seasonal market, right? People that wanted to make their moves, wanted to sell their house, 
did it in the spring to early summer and then it cooled down and then we have the people who need to move or sell in the latter part of the year be part of that little bump. Now, if we don't get another bump in September, October, we can say that you know the fundamentals of the economy in general are, are now affecting that supply and demand curve. But what, what's happening and what didn't happen this way in 2009, 10, 11 is inventory skyrocketed then, right? Mm-hmm. Higher demand completely disappeared at the same time. Mm-hmm. Here, even with the reduction of demand or affordability, you're also seeing inventory continue to slow, right? Yeah. So stuff is coming out at a much higher rate. And if we look at just simple laws of supply and demand, man, those two are what's going to drive stability. So the lower inventory, though, is going to affect transaction count for for the the business in general and that is going to put a squeeze on realtors so i've been telling everybody prepare for a squeeze in the fall it's not to say that the market's going to collapse but that for agents it's really important for us to focus on a couple of things um and and one thing that we can't do is what you had mentioned before and that's freak out um I have been doing my best to kind of kind of prepare agents that I'm close to uh, really over the last five years to always prepare for the next market, right? I did a talk at this disruptor seminar a couple of months ago and everybody was talking about what to do today. And I said, guys, at what point are we going to stop and we're going to prepare for what's next, right? What only when we get ahead of the curve can we find ourselves consistently on the front part of the wave. If we're always scrambling to deal with the market at hand, at best, you're going to catch the back end of that and then have to prepare to scramble again on the other side. So I told those people there, get close with your buyers. And this is when nobody wants a buyer, right? Get them as close. Fill that pipeline sky high on buyers because once balance starts to come back, you're going to be able to blink and put 40 40 buyers under contract in a month. Right. And, mm-hmm. and while no one else is doing that, you're building that power. So at what point are we going to make that decision? So that's first and foremost to me is, is that mental shift to say, stop scrambling for now and do what's next. Now we also have to survive. Right. And, and, but rather than grind, 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 I think in a market like this, where you start to get squeezed, you, you have to psychologically look at it as a blessing. Um, we, when we're super busy can be distracted as realtors to work and not work on the business, but work in the business. And then we get these periods where it's like on a silver platter, you have time to breathe, go set up some systems and processes. So you Mm -hmm. will be quiet like this again. And instead of taking that opportunity, and I'm I'm guilty of this a lot of times too, you know, inside you're like, the phone's not ringing, right? I got to do something now, you know, prospect build this up so that we're, we're either numbing the silence by feeling like we're being active, um, but then we're putting off the things we should be doing. And then by the time it comes around and we're like, okay, I want to do that now. Guess what? You're too busy to do it. Exactly. So yeah. Yep. Cycle and thus most agents business is like this. So yes. I say in a quiet time, when you're in the squeeze, split your time 50, 50 and be comfortable with that 50% devoted to prospecting indirectly, which I'll get to in a second, indirectly prospecting. And that's my philosophy. Some people yell at me about it and I'm good with that. I yell at them about something else. Um, (laughs) Other 50% 50 of the time, let's focus on putting systems, models in place and preparing for leverage points. Do your homework on what's your next hire. And you might not be anywhere near. You might barely be able to afford your bills this month. 
but you have the time to put this plan together. So next time you have 20 under contract, you're locked and ready. You know who you're looking for, what you're going to hire, what that job description looks like. Because guess what? When you have all those under contracts and you're super busy and you haven't done that, now you can't do it. So you don't do it. And you're afraid of your business getting quiet, not being able to afford that piece of leverage. So then Such you never a get downward it. spiral. Constant. Right. So, so make peace with yourself to run the 50, 50 game. So this way you're not, you know, risking today for the sake of tomorrow, but you're really taking advantage of some downtime. Right. And, and maybe even find some time to smile at your family. Right. Which should be first or the loved ones or people close to you and not worry. Um, the, the other, the other piece philosophically um, that I put out there and right when COVID started uh, I was invited to one of probably the biggest office in New Jersey um, for a talk in the morning. Uh, and I, I, I conveyed my thoughts on what realtors should really be focusing on. And I think now is, is the, the primary time to reconnect with that. And it's, it's your pipeline, your pipeline, mm-hmm. is the pipeline, mm-hmm. the heartbeat and the middle of the business. Whereas most agents and most coaches where I feel like they really go wrong is they focus on what I call the bookends of the business prospecting and closing, right? How many conversations am I having today? How many people am I talking to, to get leads? And then how many closings am I going to have? Or how many conversations do I have to have to have this many closings? But the middle disappears, right? And a lot of that, first of all, you end up losing a lot of, you know, low hanging fruit by not focusing there. But if we shift our mentality and we say, instead of focusing on the bookends, the grind, and then the reward, why don't we just really focus on having the most stellar middle part of our business, which is our pipelines, and systematize that? What does that look like? How big can I grow my buyer pipeline and my seller pipeline? When I was really active in the field, I would come into a spring market with 60 people in my seller pipeline. That makes me feel good. Even if I have nothing under contract, I have zero worries because my pipeline is there. I do what I call massage my pipeline, not physically, right? But, um, you know, emotionally. <laughs> You got to say it these days because someone's going to go do that and then try to sue me. Um, But uh, (laughs) informationally, what does it look like if I have a pipeline that goes up to nine months and then a separate one for people I'm incubating more than nine months out? How often am I touching them? What am I doing to touch them? And do I have a strategy and a game to move people up? Right. We, We set up our pipelines, ABC, one, two, three. ABC is the likeliness they're going to use us. A is they're definitely going to use us. B, they might use us. C, I have no idea. One, two, three is timeframes, zero to 30, 30 to 90, 90 plus uh, days, 90 to nine months. So it becomes a game. We can gamify this and have fun. If I'm looking, if I know I have lead follow-up to do every day and I'm looking at this list of people, what can I do to get this B2 up to an A2 before they turn into an A1 and I have no time left, right? Um, yeah. So that clock is ticking. What am I sending them? What kind of value am I giving them? Am I sharing with them what they need to hear in today's market, not what they're hearing out there to get yeah. at them? And then by default, what ends up happening is we then we indirectly prospect because what? We need a healthy pipeline. So we need people in there. But it makes the, it makes the purpose of prospecting much different. I'm not just trying to get an appointment. If I don't get an appointment, I feel like a failure. I could just have a couple of conversations. I could speak to somebody who might not want to sell for two years and I put them on my pipeline and that's a win. And not only is it a win, it's an even better win because I know now I have two years to build that rapport with them 
So then I know they're going to use me and I'll probably get a couple of referrals along that way. And then also by default, if I have a stellar pipeline-based business, we know factually those sales on the back end are going to result and come out, right? So then we're really looking at the result being the sales and it steadies the business. It takes away that up and down because we're always focused on the middle and we have just a, a farm consistently growing bigger and bigger. Every year you come back around, your pipeline's bigger and bigger and it's not you grinding this thing out. It's your yeah, system yeah. of touching these people to grow that nice stable business. In a that world is fantastic. Comfortable right now. Right. Yeah, I love. Oh my God, I love that. And you know, it takes the sort of stressor and pre and pre stress and pressure, just like you explaining it. Like all of a sudden, I feel like, oh, okay, I think I could do it that. Makes like, sense. right? It's like, oh, like nobody wants to make those cold calls. Nobody wants to make those cold calls. And of course, there's those agents out there. I know a couple of them who are master masters at it. Yeah. But this is a much better way because one, Betty, it builds a no like trust, right? Yeah. And it just makes your just your own experience every day so good and helps to build your confidence. And then at the end of the day, you've got a pipeline that turns into transactions. I love it. Love it. Um, okay. You talked a little bit about affordability and low inventory. Aside from that, or, or you know. What do you think is the biggest challenge that the real estate industry has right now? Um, I think the the industry right now um, is incredibly disconnected from the agents. Uh, and And I think whenever you have a disconnect with the people in the field and what's actually happening in the industry, uh, you run the risk of real long-term challenges, right? And by that, I mean, uh, a lot of agents are in this job as a job, some as a hobby, which is respectful, right? But, but they are not approaching this as a business. Um, and what's happening right now on the back end behind this curtain that I do believe a lot of brokerages are shielding their agents from even hearing about because it is going to impact whether they maybe even exist in a decade um, is not something that the common agent is passionate about, right? And protecting the industry as a whole, right? And making sure that integrity is woven through certain things and just being transparent about the battle that's happening behind the scenes between Wall Street, the brokerage business, tech firms, the money coming in, and, and who our competitors really are, right? And, and I can come at this from a passionate perspective, because we're talking about this no like trust, not one of those things can a computer do, right? And I think that's what makes this business really interesting. And so when you look at the agent body as a whole, you know, and this might be an underestimation, and I apologize if I'm assuming that, but I think only 20, maybe 20% 20 of the agents have a real understanding of what's happening with the business, and a good portion of them simply don't care, right? Sure. But this is their livelihood. Um, and I think the way that they would interact with other agents, the way that they would interact with other brokerages, right? Very likely where they would work, right? All of those things 
would be massively impacted if as agents, we took the time to really look at our business for what's happening here. Because historically, people who did not do that ended up in a really bad spot, right? And, uh, you know, that was a big reason why I ended up changing, um, you know, companies and and just the the, the real long-term vision and and the fighting spirit, not just for the industry, but to, to be the future of the industry. And I think that um, more so than ever, we need the realtors to be on our team when it comes to fighting for our business, fighting for, for the future of our business. And we're never going to do that by waking up, making a bunch of cold calls, grinding and maxing out our income that year, right? We're going to do that by by really understanding what are the threats to our business, who are the people and the, the, the brokerages even that are working for the future and who and what are just, you know, getting through today uh, in a way that might actually harm the industry uh, in the future. So, you know, to me, I like to do that wake up call um, for everybody and completely independent. I'm not sharing any of my thoughts with you directly, but what I'm saying is, uh, I'm begging the agents as a whole to to take their time, study the industry, look at what's happened over the last five years, look at the leaders in the industry, right? Uh, you can even Google that, most influential people in real estate, and, and Google each of their names and what they're looking to do in this industry. And then you ask yourself, okay, you know, which team am I on? And... Uh, He's you know, asking us to read between the lines right now, Betty. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but but more so, even even you know, theoretically, I'm watching this just this foolish company versus company mentality out there and brokerages, right? It's like, man, that is nuts. We're actually all in the game together. Mm-hmm. We need each other to fight much bigger forces, right? Yeah. To protect the consumer. And uh, I think if a lot of people looked at it that way, the whole, oh, I'm with this company, I'm with this company thing would would go out the window. Uh, And we would look at each other as partners, teammates, uh, and and a group that's really here and prepared to, you know, to go on. And I think a lot of that division between brokerages is bought on by brokerages. Um, and, uh, I, I do think that that is a big threat to, to our industry in general. So, well, I, I think I hear what you're saying, but you know, and not, but, and I would say that it all starts with sort of the, um, the barrier to entry. It's so darn low. It's so darn low Mm -hmm. that you don't get the kind of professionals that are going to go in there and a, you know, look at this as a business be look at doing the right thing for the client at all times, you know, um, and understand that, you know, we're working together, broker to broker, agent to agent, you know, no matter what roof you're, you're sitting underneath, um, just like the two of you going back to your story, you know? Um, so I, I think it starts there. I mean, there's the barrier to entry has to just be raised we need more you know professionals who are in it for the long term excuse me the long term so i think the agents that are not you know they don't really look at the the big picture i mean that's why a lot of agents don't don't make it in this business sure there's such you know there's such a high turnover rate so to speak a lot of people get their license thinking that 
they're going to make a quick buck and it's going to be easy and fun. And I consider it to be fun most of the time, Um, but it's definitely not easy. And you definitely have to have the right mindset and you have to do your homework and you have to know what's going on. It's, it's not as, as uh, it's not going to be handed to you on a silver platter. And a lot of people, unfortunately, I think, think that to be the case. Bill, I'm curious, um, how do you get your real estate news? What do you read? Uh, I don't uh, admittedly read a lot about it um, because if you really look into a lot of the sources, they're all kind of, there's some bias on the back end of most, just like most news sources, period. Um, I do like to listen a lot, right? So um, I will plug into to various leaders in the business and listen to what they say about the industry as a whole. Um, you know, I do a lot of reading more on um, on, on just general uh, economics ends. If you go on to, uh, you know, stock sites and stuff and read about some of the publicly traded companies, right, that uh, that are in the real estate business, you can get a little insight on, on where their plans are and where they're going. Uh, I probably have a bit of a, an unfair advantage in that I've, you know, I've had some some face-to-face time over the last five years with some of the most powerful people in the business, right? And I, I haven't been afraid to ask them what their vision is and what the biggest challenges are. And uh, and when the cameras are off and the news is off, that's when you really start to find out what's um, you know what's going on. And uh, you know the, the 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 industry as a whole is under it's under attack. And and that, I say that not in a oh my god way, but. Um, it's, it's in a way like most industries that have been under attack this way before, um, just haven't survived. Um, however, we have an element of our business, which is the relationship, um, that is different than most others too. So that, that does give us an advantage from the person perspective. Uh, but at the same time, um, being blind, you know, to what's really happening. Some agents are perpetuating some of the challenges that are, are facing our industry as a whole without even knowing it, right? And to them, it's just best practices. To some brokerages, they're literally teaching people to do things that could short circuit this whole business because they're really focused on today and whether that be their shareholders of today um, or, or just staying afloat for today, um, it, it can create a dangerous, you know, future. So uh, my call is always just have those conversations, have an open mind. And I'm not saying go interview with a bunch of brokerages. I'm saying do your homework on the back end so that if you're, this is your livelihood, man, it's important that we know that what we're doing every day is for the, the best, right. Of our business in general. That's, uh, I guess that's where I would say as far as uh, that goes. But you have sources like Inman and, um, you know, there's a there's a couple of them uh, circling around the real deal. Um, uh, real deal is the New York one. I'm, I'm trying to think of the other one. It's a it's a West Coast publication. They rank uh, everybody every year. I'm, I'm not remembering. Real trends. Real trends. There you go. Yeah. So <laughs> those are but but you got to make sure you get all of them, because like if you just read Inman, right, Brad, even though he just sold it. Um, you know, he, he doesn't click with some people and, and that can show up in the languages that, uh, that comes. Were out. you there? Were you there when he had the interview with Gary Keller? I wasn't in person, but. Oh but, God, that was. Yeah. I, I talked with Gary not long after that, where he kind of explained some of the backstory on that. And it just, yeah. So that, that's why I say, you know, we, we need to know 
some people are very pro tech companies coming in, blowing this whole thing up, which some agents have rallied around companies in the last couple of years that that have publicly basically said that they're out here to get rid of the agents. And I'm like, man, and it's not, yeah. they just don't know it, right? They literally don't. Uh, it's a bit well, of- That goes back to what I was saying before. It's like, let's raise the bar, you know, <laughs> and bring people in who are in this for the right reasons, you know? And I'm not, I'm not saying the agents are not in it for the right reasons, but if you make it a little bit more challenging for people to get into the business, if you really let people know what it takes to be successful and why, then you're probably going to weed out a lot of those kind of people. It's true. Uh, one of um, one of uh, our our you know uh, biggest I would say rising stars, um, uh, Kurt uh, Wubenhorst is. Uh, his wife is Megan. They've done a phenomenal job of building a team to model in a short period of time, scaled incredibly. You know, he um, and I were having a conversation about this not too long ago. And, and, and one of the challenges is in this business, you can have terrible habits, no models, really not pay attention to those things and still make a really good living. Right. So yeah. the margins and that's the same reason, by the way, everybody wants a piece of this margin. But the margins are big enough to where you can develop bad habits and all that and make a good living now. But when we talk about where this market's potentially going and the squeeze, mm-hmm. that's when it's really going to show up. And then it's going to, yes. it's going to get ugly there for a little, unless we change what we're doing, take this as an opportunity to refocus on the pipelines, right. And, and do yep. all of those things. Yeah. So Love when it. you talk about all of that though, first of all, every time I talk to you, I learned something new, a lot new. Um, and my brain is about to explode, right? But when you talk about all the systems and putting systems in place, uh, you know, and and having everything ready for the future, like that's that is challenging in in some respects because, like me personally, I always feel like I'm redesigning my systems. Like I wonder when I'm going to get to a place where. It's just done and everything just flows. I think you need to do a class on this, Bill, by the way, just saying, yeah. just putting it out there. Um, but, but you know, um, I like how, how your systems coincide with getting to know your, your, your people mm-hmm. and having them get to know you because that's what we are, right? The No Like Trust podcast. And we, fe- we feel, you know, that, that everything revolves um, around relationships in this business. So I love that. Um, and because you give us so much information, I need to ask you, like, what out of all of that that you talked about, what are three takeaways that you would give today that people can go out and, you know, physically do something to help grow that no like trust relationship with with their people great question so um you know to, to keep it kind of revolving around that no like trust i think the biggest thing is make a major focus to shift on developing your pipeline based business that's usually the last place that people go even the ones who do it perpetually um make that your primary focus and build those relationships with those people and understand that the more time you have with them on your pipeline actually works to your benefit, right? As opposed to to hurting you. Um, 
develop a system of how you're going to touch those people and when you're going to touch those people so you're not winging it because winging it is one not scalable two it's not comfortable um, we think it's comfortable most people don't that's number one number two create a system in your day-to-day -day business and don't over systematize because if you do you will short out and say, I hate this crap. I hate these time blocks. They're driving me nuts. Now I'm not going to do anything at all. And it's going to be three years till you try it again, right? It's just the cycle of what happens. So we start small, but we'd be really forceful. One of the biggest changes I made in my business that allowed me and my clients to really connect was to set guidelines on when we'd be communicating, how we would be communicating. When I took a listing, I would say, they're going to hear from me every Friday. If they don't hear from me, I need them to do me a favor and please call the police because something's terribly wrong, right? And by saying that, it was my accountability to make sure I connect with them. And what I came to find out was, first of all, it removed all of this 90 people calling me during the week. Is anybody showing my house? What's the feedback, et cetera, et cetera. But it actually made the consumer so much more comfortable. They're so comfortable being in a process everywhere else. And only in real estate where we have no process do we just kind of wing that, right? I'll call you when something happens or when we need something without that mm -hmm. process. The comfort that comes along with that. And then when somebody would go under contract, we would shift it to Tuesdays. Now you can hear from me every Tuesday. We're going to go over anything that needs to happen in the next two weeks so that you're always up to speed on that, right? And, and the the comfort that that would have. And then post-closing, we get these phone calls from people saying, oh my God, it's Tuesday. I just had to connect with you, right? Like they became so comfortable in having those conversations and the raving fans that come out of that by a simple change, it makes your life easier than someone else. So again, put a system into that. So put a system into your client facing um, business, which will allow you to deepen that relationship and trust, right? Based on the system and remove the chances of you messing up. Transition to a pipeline-based business where you're focusing on the middle and building that, that relationship with that person um, as you're prospecting. And then the third, I'm going to go back, uh, end how we started, right, is be so aware of your energy, right? I am hyper-aware, self-aware of the energy that I, that I put out. And sometimes you have to deliver a message that might not be hyper-positive. This podcast is a perfect example of that. Um, you asked me a question that I felt I needed to answer transparently about our industry and, and our agents maybe not taking seriously, you know, some, some broader issues that are affecting us. That wasn't a super positive part of our conversation, but understanding that I knew is really important to bring it back at the end and bring that energy back to where it is allowed me to convey a message that if nobody conveyed could cost us everything. But at the same time, come back here at the end and make sure that my natural energy and connecting is in a positive way geared toward growth and bringing people together and bringing them up. Um, so staying focused on that energy, not, not weekly, not daily, but sometimes hourly. And what am I doing to make sure that I'm not having a couple negative hours in a row? And, and let's be honest, we're allowed to have bad days sometimes. Um, arguably, we can have a bad week, but we're not allowed to start having bad months because that turns into bad years. And man, that's really hard to turn that not only psychology, but biology around because by that mm -hmm. time, mm -hmm. it's just as chemical as it is, you know, uh, yeah. from a neuro perspective. So, um, those would be the three long pipeline-based business, systematize your communications with your clients to bring comfort to them and allow you to connect with them on a different level and 
that guards your energy in and out. It doesn't mean you can't have serious conversations, but make sure that you control how you, you know, bring them back to reality too when it's over. Good stuff. Awesome. That's all I got for you. Well, I have one more question for you before we wrap up. Finish this sentence for us. We need like a bell or something to signal when this time comes up. We love this part of our show. Finish this sentence. No, like trust is. What does it mean to you? I would say that no, like trust is nature's GPS, right? Or, or uh, God's map, right? When we focus on those components, the doors will open in the area that we're supposed to proceed in. Right. Um, And I think when we are focused on those components, uh, life will develop in the way that it's supposed to. And when we ignore those components or short circuit those components, we can maybe end up in places on the map where we're not supposed to be, which is a really challenging spot to be. So uh, I love that. That's what I would say. Interesting. Love it. Bill, where can people people find you? Where can people find me? So uh, Instagram uh, is Bill Boswell underscore. So at Bill Boswell underscore on Facebook is uh, William Boswell. I also have a Facebook page called The Realtor's Realtor, where we post some content there. Um, and I, I coined that a couple of years ago because I have a, a bunch of realtors and even brokers from other companies that, that reach out to me and ask me questions. So as I've you know, transitioned a little less into the consumer facing side and much more into the, the realtor side. I, I love that role of being the, the realtor for the realtors. Right. Um, so I would say those are probably my two targets. People hit me over the head all the time and say, not literally, you got to do TikTok and all this other stuff. And, you know, uh, I, I'm there if you look, but I'm not, I'm not fully there yet. So maybe right. one day soon. you don't have to be everywhere. You have to be where, it, where you like to be and where your people are. That's Amen. right. Amen to that. Awesome. Bill, thank you so much for everybody who's listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. Give Bill a, fo- a follow. Definitely, if you're a realtor, make sure you check out the Realtors Realtor on mm. Facebook and follow Bill. He's he's there for the taking. He'll answer your questions. Um, we would love it for those <laughs> of you listening to give us a five-star review. Um, say something nice about us. And if you really like it, Share it with all, share our podcast with all your friends. We hope you guys have an awesome day and we'll look forward to seeing you here next time. Take care. Thanks everyone. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, we'd love it if you subscribe and leave a review. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, please reach out to Christine or Betty on social media for consideration. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Please join us next time for another insightful conversation on incorporating know, like, and trust into your business.